0: name. I told you last week that many Christians don't understand a, a shift that takes place when you get born again. Before salvation, we're not seeking God. Psalms and Paul and Romans were very clear, no one seeks God, no, not one. But God is the one who seeks us. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. But after salvation, God expects those roles to even out a little bit. And God continues to seek us, and God continues to reach out to us, but God wants us to seek Him. And there are many Christians that have never understood the shift that takes place after salvation. They're so used to God being the pursuer, they're so used to God always being the one that pursues them that they have relaxed into that role of being the pursued, and they don't understand that this relationship has to go both ways. God also wants us to seek Him. It's like a young lady and the the young man pursues and pursues and pursues and he lives in Quezon City and he goes to Cavite, to Nyack every morning and picks her up and then he takes her to work and then he takes her back home to Nayak and spends time with the family and then he goes all the way home to Farview and he does that day after day after day until he's almost dead and the young lady finally says yes. And then she doesn't understand why he wants her to also want him. She's so used to being the pursued, she's so used to the one being wanted, she doesn't understand that in a relationship, both people have to want. Everybody say, both people have to be seekers. Now, Jesus made everything easy for us. In Ephesians 2, verse 13, we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. In Colossians 1, 21 and 22, Paul said that in his presence we are free from accusation. In Hebrews 6, we come with boldness before the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and grace in our time of need. So Jesus has made everything easy, but we still have to put forth some effort to reach out to him. Psalms 84, beginning with verse 1 how lovely is your dwelling place O Lord of Hosts my soul longs yet faints for the courts of the Lord my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God even the sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars O Lord of Hosts my King and my God blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise Selah blessed are those whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highways to Zion in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Now NIV translates it a little better. Who have set their hearts on a pilgrimage. Everybody say, set my heart on a pilgrimage. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob's hill. Behold our shield, O God. Look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you now last week all we did was focus on the fact that we are to have a desire to seek God everybody say I am to have a desire I am to have a desire and I think that red background doesn't look really good turn off the red background first time they ever tried that there you go in honor of Valentine's Day And it, It really didn't work, so thanks, guys, for trying, but that one really, I kept looking at it going, I look weird in front of a red background. That looks really weird. You ever wonder what I'm thinking sometimes? There must be a desire in our hearts to seek God. We talked about our heart cries out, our flesh cries out, our soul cries out. We talked about that everything within us was created for the presence of God, And so we we can't say that our our physical flesh doesn't desire the presence of God because we saw that it did. We can't say that our heart, our thoughts, our desires don't desire the presence of God because we saw that it does. But now what I want us to do is pick up there and begin to understand that we must focus our hearts. Everybody say, focus my heart. Psalms 84, verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, NIV, NIV. Who have set their hearts on a pilgrimage. Everybody say, set my heart. Say it again. Now in Psalms 116 verse 11, it says, You have made known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now there are two types of pleasures in this world there's what Paul calls the passing pleasures of sin and then there are eternal pleasures that are in God's presence at his right hand now the first thing I want us to understand is what are you setting your heart on? are you setting your heart on the temporary pleasures of this life you know young men please forgive me but when when you set your heart on pornography that is a temporary pleasure. That's a what kind of a pleasure? When you set your heart on sex that is a temporary pleasure. When you set your heart on feeling the buzz of alcohol that is a temporary pleasure. Oh it makes me feel good when I drink. No it really doesn't. The alcohol is a poison and because it's a poison your body recognizes it's a poison and your body actually releases endorphins in your body that are actually like natural painkillers and it's your own body's defense against the poison that's making you feel better. Are we still here? But there are people, their brains are confused about pleasure. Now that alcohol has a temporary pleasure but then the next day you have this throbbing headache because you took poison into your body. Now every one of us in our life is going to have to learn to make decisions. Is there a pleasure that I'm looking for that is permanent and eternal? And please forgive me, but straight talk. The greatest pleasure in life you will find in the presence of God. Amen. You, pleasures like your heart cannot comprehend. I mean, please, the passing pleasures of sin cannot even begin to compare to the infiniteness of the pleasure that a human soul will experience in the presence of God. And that pleasure is eternally. So you have to first of all ask yourself the question, do I want to set my heart on sin, which is a passing pleasure, or do I want to set my heart on the presence of God? that's a permanent pleasure. Everybody say, a permanent pleasure. Now, he, Jesus would teach us, Luke chapter 12, verse 29, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and don't be w- or worried. He said, don't set your heart on them. Everybody say, don't set my heart on them. Now, Jesus is very clear. When it comes to the things of this world, when it comes to the needs of life, don't set your heart, don't focus your heart. Your heart is your emotions, your attitudes, your, your, your thoughts, your desires, your will. Don't focus your inner being on your needs. Your heavenly Father knows that you have these needs, and He will provide. I didn't hear you. But, but there are some people, and, and please, this, this is true especially with the poor. Now, we, we've grown up poor around here. We understand poverty. When people are poor, I call it like a chicken scratching for a living. When people are poor, you, you're, you're just trying to survive. You're trying to get another 50 pesos. You're trying to get another 100 pesos for food for the kids that night. I mean, when, when people are poor, every bit of their energy every day Their heart is focused on their need, on their what? And Jesus would look at us and say, don't set your heart on that. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You are not going to get out of poverty by focusing your heart on your need. We'll get more into how you get out of poverty in a few minutes and then he goes to the exact opposite don't set your heart on the riches Psalm 62 verse 10 put no trust in extortion set no vain hopes on robbery if riches increase do not set your heart on them now please forgive me but we've been poor around here and God's been good to us and now we're blessed I didn't hear you don't set your heart on the riches Wonderful. You, you've got 500000 in the bank. Wonderful. You've got a million in the bank. Wonderful. You've got your new Toyota. Okay, wonderful. But don't set your heart on that. Don't go sit out in your new Toyota at night and go, Oh, my new car. I'm just going to sleep here tonight. Don't set your desires on that, that blessing. Hey, keep your heart focused on the blesser. Everybody say, on the blesser. God's blessed you he's given you a beautiful home now you you remember when in your house you know the water didn't hardly work and you know you carried buckets and now you've got a beautiful marble bathroom and you've got beautiful marble floors and you've got nice refrigerators and don't look at that and put your desire on it and focus all of your thoughts and attention on it please the blessings are here today and gone tomorrow but the blessor will never fail you and never forsake you. So, so whether it's poverty or whether it's riches, God would say, don't get your heart focused on money. Set your heart on seeking God. Second Chronicles 11, verse 16. And those who had set their hearts to seek the God of Israel... Came after them from all the tribes of Israel to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord, the God of their fathers. So there's this whole group of people, and they made up their mind: we're going to set our hearts on seeking God. Second Chronicles 30 verse 30 or 20 verse 33 is the exact opposite. The high places, however, were not taken away. The people had not set their heart upon the God of their fathers. So you can always tell when people have not quite set their heart on God. The idolatry remains in their life. The what remains in their life? So when they haven't focused their desires, their thoughts, their attitudes on God, you'll find that the idolatry is still there in their life. 2 Chronicles 19, verse 3, Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Asherah out of the land. He destroyed the idols. And have set your heart to seek God. Now I just want you to see a few things from that verse. All of these verses thus far. We're taught in poverty, don't focus your heart on your need. We're taught that in riches and wealth, don't focus your heart on the riches and wealth. We're taught that we are to focus our heart on seeking God. And one of the ways that we can really tell whether we have focused our heart on seeking God or not is is the idolatry removed from our life? Everybody say, are the idols gone? say it again you can't make people take idols out of their life you can walk in and clean them out but you know what they're gonna put them right back again because they, they feel the need for that but when their heart is totally focused on seeking God the idolatry is removed Psalms 10 verse 4 in the face of his pride the wicked does not seek him all of his thoughts are there is no God there are people that when you begin to talk to them about focusing their heart on seeking God, they look at you and go, you know what? There is no God. Another translation says it this way. There is no room in their heart for God. Everybody say, no room in their heart. Say it again. Now God says, I want you to seek me. But when people have a heart full of sin, there's no room in their heart there for that. Now Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 and 2. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Everybody say they delight. But it's all a pretense. It's all a mockery. He continues Isaiah 29 verse 13, because this people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. Now God, said, God says through the prophet Isaiah, would you look at these people? These people seem like a people that are eager to know me, but they're not. It's all a pretense. It's all a show. Now, brothers and sisters, when God tells us to seek him, he tells us to seek him with our heart. With our what? Not for a show, not in a pretense. He said, now listen, when wickedness is there in your heart, there's no room. Now, you can put on a show if you want. You can put on the the play acting if you want. You can go do your religious thing if you want. You can stand there and say hallelujah 500 times. (laughs) But he said, it's not real. You seem like a people eager to know your God, but you're not. There's no room in your heart because of the wickedness. Everything about seeking God is the heart. It's the what? It's the what? Now, now look at where we've come so far. I'm just walking you through some very simple verses because this stuff is not rocket science. This is some of the easiest stuff we will ever teach you. Easy to teach but hard to live. When it comes to seeking God, We don't focus on our need, God will take care of that. We don't focus on the blessings, we focus on the blessor. It's all about the focus of our heart. If we want to know whether our heart is really focused on God or not, it's very easy to look. Have we removed the idolatry from around us? Even if we're not perfect, you know, we've taken the idolatry out because we've set our heart to seek Him. But he said, now, this has got to be something that's real and if wickedness has filled your heart there's no room in your heart for God and so it's all about a pretense it's all about play acting but God said that's not what I want you to do God said I'm looking for people who will seek me Psalms 53 verse 1 the fool says in his heart there is no God they are corrupt doing abominable iniquity there is none who does good God looks down from heaven on the children of men To see if there are any who understands, who seek after God. God is looking for people who are seeking Him. Everybody say, I want God. Say it again. Not, I want the blessings. I want Him. Not so concerned about your needs, that that's all you can think about. Oh God, I I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. But you want Him. And not so consumed with not losing the blessings that you don't care about the blessor. The blessing, the blessor has blessed you, and now all you can focus on is what he's given you and not who he is. You're so busy spending time with what he's given you, you have no time for him. Rochi, how would you how would Al Jeff feel if he had given you fifteen diamond rings? and a platinum and diamond necklace, and platinum slippers studded with diamonds, and glasses that were completely paved in diamonds. And you were so busy playing with all of your diamonds that when he came home and said, sweetheart, come talk to me, you would say, oh, I can't. I'm cleaning my diamond. How would he feel? Wait a minute. I want a wife. Who wants me? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? doesn't. I'm trying to keep this really simple tonight. And unemotional emotional because if it's just emotions, it's, it's just a, a, a game. God said, listen, I'm looking for people who seek me. I'm looking for people who want me. Everybody say, he's looking for people who want him. Say it again, please. Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, did, did you hear? Did you hear what the psalmist said? The psalmist said, God, I want you. Everybody shout, God, I want you. Now, that means we've gotten past looking at our need. We've gotten past looking at our blessings. We've gotten the wickedness out of our heart. We've removed the idolatry from around our lives. And we've learned to focus. We've learned to set our heart. The psalmist had learned to set his heart. He said, God, earnestly I seek you. He said, God, I got up this morning and I just want your presence. God, I just want to be with you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. God makes a promise. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not in pretense, not because you want something, not because you need something. Now, how many parents are here? Would you raise your hand? All the parents. Have you ever had your daughter walk up to you and go, Daddy. What is every father's next question? What do you want? I mean, please, every daughter has done that, and every son has done that too. Daddy. What do you want? They know that. I mean, parents aren't stupid. We know you're here because you want something. But how do you feel if your child on a holiday doesn't go out with their friend, doesn't go to the mall, and you say, aren't you going out with your friends today? No, Dad. I just wanted to hang out with you today. Whoa. Up to half my kingdom. <laughs> Diva? The fact that they just want you. Now, now this desire thing is a relationship truth. Can you not understand that God loves you, your heavenly father loves you, but he wants you to want him also? That God, I'm here not because I need anything. God, you've been good to me beyond what I could ever dream of. God, I'm not here because I'm expecting anything. God, I'm just here because I want to be with you. How many of you are understanding what I'm talking about? Come on. Everybody say, God, I just want you. Now, he said that when you seek him with all your heart, you would find a demon. No. That when you seek him with all your heart, he said, you will find me. Now, there are going to be some beautiful experiences that are involved in that. But I want you to understand something. If you will seek God with all your heart, you don't need to worry about demons because you're not going to find demons. When you're seeking God with all your heart, He made a promise. You're going to find Him. Everybody say, find Him. Say it again. So please, don't, don't get yourself all worried about experiences and don't get yourself all worried about demons. and don't get, Please, just leave all that alone. And understand that when you set your heart to seek God, you're going to find God. Who are you going to find? Deuteronomy 4, verse 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find Him if you search after Him with all your heart and all your soul. Now, to me, that is the most beautiful promise in the entire universe. That if I will move past just... This prayer life of, "Give me, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. If I will move past this prayer life of God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this." Have you ever listened to how some people pray? That's all they talk about God, I need this, 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 I need this." And long list drops. If you can move past it, and please, there's nothing wrong with asking God for the things that you need. Okay, please. But if that's all your focus is, I'm sorry. There's so much more. I I would challenge you to, to get up one morning and take all of your prayer requests and set them aside and just say, Father, I'm here in Jesus' name. I come boldly before the throne of grace I've been brought near by the blood of Jesus there's no accusation in your presence Jesus I'm just here to be with you all I want to do is spend some time with you all I want is to be with you and just spend an hour seeking his presence everybody said just seek God Say it again. Say it louder, please. Yes. You know, don't, don't pray for all of your Connect Group members. Don't pray for your, your parents and your grandparents and your uncles and your aunts and your 15th cousins. Just God, I've got no requests here today. I just want to be with you. And sit there with an open Bible and read and pray and worship and pray. And read and worship and just just let a beautiful triangle of relationship begin to flow of reading and praying and worship and just be with God everybody say just seek God now when you do this he says some things are going to happen go back to Psalms 84 verse 7 in our text they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion now remember, in whose highway is the highway of Josiah. You're going to come into the presence of God. But he said, you go from strength to strength. Now the Hebrew word here for strength literally means wealth. Everybody say wealth. They go from wealth to wealth. Now, if you'll quit focusing your heart on your, your riches, and you'll, you'll quit focusing your heart on your need. And you just focus your heart on God, you will prosper. Everybody said, "I will prosper." Now, now see, the world doesn't get that. The world thinks you've got to focus your heart, you've got to set your priorities, and focus your heart on on your needs being met. And the world tells you, you know, you've got all these assets, you got to learn to take care of them and manage them, and focus your heart on them. And God said, "Would you focus your heart on Me?" And you'll go from wealth to wealth. Now. See, religion looks at us, and religion has this doctrine. It's not a Bible doctrine, but it's a a Christian tradition. Religion says that the path of poverty will bring you into the presence of God. The world says chasing after money will bring you prosperity. Both of these traditions are wrong. God says you chase after God and you will prosper. It's all about the focus of your heart. Now, if you really want to prosper, quit, quit loving money. If you really want to prosper and be blessed, quit setting your heart on the riches of this world. If you really want to be successful, quit focusing your life on success and focus your life on God. Are we still here? Now, I know the world looks at you and says, oh, that, that won't work, da 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 da. But it does. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So first of all, there's prosperity. But secondly, everything around us begins to change. Verse 6 of Psalms 84. As they go through the valley of Bacha, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. Now the valley of Baca literally means in Hebrew the valley of weeping and tears. As you seek God in this life, you're going to walk through situations and environments where everybody around you is depressed and sad. Everybody say, depressed. Say it again. Some of you in your offices, some of you in your schools, Young people are committing suicide. People just live discouraged and depressed. That's the valley of Baca. But if you will set your heart on a pilgrimage, you change the environment around you. Look at the person next and say, I change it. Say it again. You change the valley of weeping and tears. They make it a place of springs, a place of the Holy Spirit. Remember, springs of living water, Jesus said, flow out of our innermost being. And the early rain covers it with pools. We literally walk through depressed, discouraged, broken environments. And we watch the Holy Spirit begin to flow. And that, now here's the key that, that people don't get evangelists don't bring revival. Seekers bring revival. Let me say that again. Evangelists don't bring revival. Seekers bring revival. Everybody say, seekers. So when you you visit the old church in the province where you grew up, and you want revival to be there, revival won't happen because I show up and preach. Sorry. Revival will happen because you get some people in that church to start seeking God Everybody says seek God. Seekers change the environment. Seekers change the environment around them. Seekers turn this dead, depressed, discouraged place into a place with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it has nothing to do with the preacher. It has to do with the heart of seekers. Now, I took last week's sermon and I broke it in two because I wanted to go really, really slow. You have to understand that what I'm teaching you is the easiest thing in the world to teach. This stuff is so easy to understand. There's, there's no heavy theology with it. But here's the reality of it. This is how we are to live our life until the day we go to heaven. Everybody say, how we are to live our life. Now please, I don't, I don't say this rudely or critically or any way to some of you. But some of you, this is who you used to be. And then you got that promotion. And now you don't do daily devotions, you do once a millennium devotions. Thank you. Are we still here? Not, now there's no more daily devotions. Now, there, now there's no more seeking God. There's, you know, once in a while you, you get around and some Holy Spirit outpouring, and oh, that was so good, and oh, but the life of seeking is gone. Brothers and sisters, how many times have you heard your parents say, a good marriage takes hard work? A good marriage takes what? Now, the hard work is not the patience. The hard work is always desiring each other. Everybody say, always desiring each other, that you want each other, that you want to be with each other, that you enjoy sitting with each other. Sister Bev is funny sometimes with me because w- when I go home, I don't talk much. And she'll look at me and she'll say, I just like sitting in the room with you. Even though I'm sitting there on a computer studying, she just wants to be in the room with me. Now, When she first met me, Guapo, Nihon Daba, a gullible. but she still wants to be with me. Are you understanding what I'm saying? She still wants to hold my hand. Now, now this—we understand this in marriage, and we understand that you know when you let marriage become like a dead business partnership, eh, it just falls apart. But the desire for each other's presence. You, you like to be with each other. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter come on. Sister Beth said, she loves Israel tours. I said, why, sweetheart? She said, because I get to sit on the bus with you all day. So, oh. <laughs> But she just likes to sit with me. She wants to sit on the bus with me all day. Okay. She still wants me after all these years. Now, If you can understand that human illustration, please forgive me. But maybe you need to put a little bit more work into your relationship with the Father. He's more important, forgive me, than your career. He's more important than your education. Now, young people, don't go out of here and say, Pastor Summerall said I don't have to do my studies. That is not what I said. Don't take a truth and stretch it till it's an untruth. But you have to understand that the most important thing in your life is God. It's your relationship with God. So every morning you need to get up and seek him. Everybody said get up every morning and seek him. The last thing before you go to bed at night, your thoughts are on him. All during the day, your heart reaches out to him. And please, it's not something that you have to force. I had a friend one time that had one of those Casio alarm watches, and he had it set every 10 minutes to remind him to pray. I said, That would just annoy me. It's not about something forcing me to do this. It's like Sister Bev's got this watch that she wears, and it makes her move like she has to move every how many minutes? And I said, sweetheart, why are you letting that watch control you? Folks, this is not a religious thing where you set your watch to go off every 10 minutes. This is supposed to be a heart thing. It's supposed to be a what thing? I mean, do do you set your watch and say, go kiss your wife every five minutes? Your wife would look at you after a while and go, why are you doing that? Well, because my watch told me it's time to kiss you again. She'd knock you upside the head. It's got to be a heart thing. It's got to be a what thing? All day long. And and the more you put your heart into this and the more you focus your heart on God, it's not a hard thing. It's not a a religious thing. It's a love thing. It's a what thing? And it's an easy and a beautiful thing. It It just flows out of you because that's who you are. Would you stand with me please? Did you learn something tonight? No, I didn't know how to make this complicated. I just know how to make it simple. It is amazing how when something changes in our life, important things get interrupted. Some of you, you had this beautiful relationship with Jesus going. And then you started a new college. Then you fell in love with a boy or a girl. Then you got a job. Then you got a promotion. Then you moved into a new house. And something broke in the relationship. something that you had been developing for a long time and it's just amazing how quickly it went away. It doesn't need to go away. God hasn't moved. Did you hear what I said? God didn't move. You're the one who pulled your heart away and refocused it. All you need to do is get the focus of your heart Back on God and live like this until we go to heaven. Everybody say, live like this. We live like He's the most important person in our life. We live like in Him we live and move and have our being, as Paul said. We live this. It's not religious, it's not formulas, it's not setting the timer on our watches. It's a heart that really wants God. I want you to lift your hands before him tonight.